Hi, I'm Christina May, the online pastor at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. You're about to hear a spirit-filled message from our pastor. So grab your Bible, and if you're a coffee lover like me, grab a cup of coffee and get ready for a personal word that God has for you today. Ooh, hallelujah. Hasn't the presence of the Lord been incredible in this place tonight? Ooh, we encountered His presence tonight. Amen. So... Thank you, Lord, for strength over my voice tonight because I have a word to bring. <laughs> so y'all are going to get past the scratchiness of my voice. It just hit me this afternoon, this scratchy. I feel fine. I just have a little bit of a scratchy voice. So, But I'm good. I'm bringing the word tonight because, uh, you know, October I had written out a message and uh, we weren't able to have our her night. And so uh, I really debated, you know, on what the word of the Lord would be for tonight. I just didn't know for sure. So I began to even write another sermon, uh, tabling the thing that I had written in October. But a couple of weeks ago, we had a crave night and my husband got up and he said, I hear just this word uh, in my spirit and it's resilience. He didn't know I had written a sermon on called the power of resilience. So I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. This is a now word. It's to bring it now. This is the season that we are in. So we're going to receive what God has for us tonight, even with my scratchy voice, okay? <laughs> Y'all can get past that, can't you? Okay. So let's pray. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this beautiful time that we've had together as daughters in your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We're so glad that you showed up in this room tonight. You've met us here, you're a faithful friend. You always come, you're right beside us every step of our journey. Holy Spirit, would you just take this one word and would you divide it among every hearing ear that is here tonight, God? Father, I don't know what these women need of in this season that they find themselves walking in, but Holy Spirit, you know exactly what they have need of. You know the moment that they're in, the season that they're in. God, we thank you that you are working behind the scenes. Oh, I just hear this. You don't know it. You haven't been able to see. You, don't, you, ha you haven't known it yet, but he's working. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. He's working behind the scene. And you've been asking, God, where are you in this season? I feel abandoned by you. Somebody said that, but I just, God wanted me to tell you here tonight that he is working behind the scenes. <laughs> he is with you right beside you. He's not left you. He has not forsaken you. Grab a hold of that tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody that agreed with that said, <clears throat> amen. So what is resilience or what is that defined as? The dictionary defines it as this, it's the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. It's the ability of a substance or an object to spring back into shape. There's elasticity, it's an ability. I love this definition. It's the ability to bounce back when things don't go as planned. Come on. It's an inner strength. It's an inner strength that we can have. It's a heart posture that says, Lord, I refuse to stay stuck and hopeless in the season that I'm walking through. This may have knocked me down. This may have knocked me hard. This may have hit blindsided me. I was not expecting this, but I refuse to stay down and I refuse to stuck. Who does that sound like here tonight? Say, that's me. That's me. I'm resilient. We, listen, we all, pay, we all possess some degree of resilience in our life. We all have it, but some of us draw from it faster than others. 
I think people that have walked through some life and some seasons and some challenges, maybe you've been weathered by the storm. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to bounce back because maybe we're a little bit tired or maybe we're a little bit exhausted in the season that we find ourselves. But let me ask you this question tonight. How well do you bounce back when life has hit you hard? When things have been turned upside down, inside out, life feels a little bit crazy, how well do you bounce back from those things? Caitlin, do you have that diagram that I sent? Is that Caitlin back there, Camille? Oh, Camille, can you, is there a diagram back there? Okay, how many of you know? Isn't it awesome when we get plan A? Woohoo! it's good. Very few times do we get the plan A happening, right? But thank God we've got a plan B and it's a little bit of ups and downs and the, you know, okay, fine. But you know, we're still getting there. But how many of you know real life right here? Come on. <laughs> it's like the roller coaster ride, right? <laughs> how well do you do with that? How about, do you have an emotional breakdown? Come on, we've had a little bit of this in 2020, right? We had a little bit of that in 2020. I mean, unless you're like the person that likes to get on the roller coaster ride and you throw your hands up in the air and like, Whoa, you know, bring it on, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Felicia does that. But good for you. <laughs> I love this quote. It's this, life doesn't get easier and more forgiving. We just get stronger and more resilient. <laughs> Turn to the girl next to you and say, girl, you're looking more resilient every second. Just every second. <laughs> when I think of somebody that was resilient in the word of God, I think of David. And I really thought of this particular story that's found in 1 Samuel 30. And it's uh, after the mighty men and him had been out fighting, they come home. They just want to rest. They just want to go home and chill because they, they've just been out on the battlefield and they come home and a lot of devastation. There's a little bit of trauma that happened. In verse three, I'm gonna read 1 Samuel 30, verse uh, three through six, and it says this. So David and his men came to the town and behold, it was burned and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Come on, trauma. Then David and the men with him lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. They're emotionally exhausted. Anybody know what that feels like? David's two wives also had been taken ca captive. David was greatly distressed for his men spoke of stoning him because the souls of them, their souls were all bitterly grieved. Their souls were crushed. This is some trauma. They're walking through a really hard time and each man for his son is a, his daughter, but David, but David, but David, he just experienced this weeping until he had no more strength. It said David experienced that, but something happened. David, there's a new way of, I'm fixing to tell you a new way to respond. The men are responding, all the other men are responding one way, but this is David's response. He kind of pulls himself together and it says, he encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In the middle of all hell breaking out all around him, right in the middle of 
his men turning their back on him right there in the middle. David pulls on a resilience. He pulls down and finds some hope and has this ability to bounce back. You know, several years ago, Pastor and I were invited to go to this uh, a session that was at Autry Technology and they had invited uh, the pastors in town, counselors and teachers. And what they were doing was downloading some information that of some research that they had found to give to help us have some understanding on psychological, I'm actually gonna read this, <laughs> understanding of psychological factors and statistics on how our childhood experiences affect us in our adult years. That was basically what they were talking about and they exposed us to this thing called the ACE test. And I'm gonna give you like the one minute version of a full day seminar, okay? so strap in <laughs> but so and I actually put it in your notes there's you should have a blank piece of paper on the front side the back side is the ACE test don't take it right now just know that you have it it'll say the ACE test on it I don't know maybe it's not in the same order I thought it would but anyway so you can take that home and do that but what this does is it measures 10 types of childhood trauma and each trauma that you have it counts as one point in this test okay and so they discovered this stunning link between childhood trauma with diseases and social and emotional problems in those that found themselves with an ACE score of four or more. And I, I, as I was in that, set, as I was in that uh, meeting and listening to all this information that they were giving, I couldn't help but think of my life. You know, it just kind of made you think back and over things that you had gone through. And I was thinking at the time that, you know, I had been molested once as a child and, and that I didn't tell anybody about, I didn't tell my parents or anything. And then uh, I began to think it's stuff that's not even on there, you know, on the, on the ACE test. Um, we were robbed at gunpoint one night when we came, I was 16 years old, we came in and there was men in our house and uh, they beat my dad up and he was bleeding and he, he, he was passed out. And so I didn't know if he was dead or not. And that was, was pretty traumatic. Uh, there was a three-year-old that drowned in our pool at my house when we were, I was like, how old, what, 12 years old at that time. And I was thinking, man, the, the, the trauma that that put our family in. And then it, probably when I was 14, we were at the lake and there was a man that drowned and they pulled him up and tried to revive him. And I seen all of that and I, I just thought, wow, and, and you know, they were just talking about how things that you go through affect us in our adult years. And I thought, man, I just, no wonder I dealt with a lot of, of fear and distrust because of the stuff that I walked through. And so anyways, they're giving us all this information for the ACE test and, and the connection to maybe what, you know, as pastors we may be dealing with or counselors, people in their adult years really dealing with some struggles and some hardships is probably because of some things that have been rooted back that did, people didn't know how to handle or know how to take care of that in their life. But then they said, but the good news is this, and this is the first time that I heard about resilience. And they said that higher your resiliency is, and there's actually a test that you can take home that tests how high your resilience is, super interesting, tests you where you're at on that. How well do you bounce back from situations and negative situ that, that things that ne negative uh, uh, tra traumatic things that maybe we walk through, 
But anyway, so it measures that. And they, they said this, that the higher your resiliency score is, it almost acts as a protective barrier against you going through and falling into the statistics of all those that had four or more. It's almost like you, if you were to Google this, you could, that you would just watch those that had like five, six, seven, eight, you would just watch the, the, the statistic climb. I mean, you, it was just pretty much inevitable that they would be dealing with uh, emotional and social uh, issues and trauma. And so I just, as I was thinking about that resilience, the higher your resilience, it's almost like this protective layer around you to keep you from having those negative things. And so if you will, in our story, David's men, Come on, they fell into a statistic, but David beat the odds, right? He responded out of the norm. And if you think about David, if he was to take this ACE test, he probably would have about an eight or nine on that ACE test. If you knew about anything about what David went through in his life, he had a father that undervalued who he was. He didn't really care. I mean, he was like, the prophet came to town and he's like, I have eight sons, but seven of them that are possible kingly material. But I have this one I'm not even gonna bring before you because I don't even consider him as even being slightly available to be a king in this season of his life. So his father undervalued him. We see when he finally does make it to the palace, his boss tries to kill him. He's throwing spears at him. He marries a woman that criticizes him and mocks him. His daughter is molested by a family member. His son wants to take over his kingdom and does everything that he can. David commits adultery. Come on, it's just one thing after another. And what would have caused most of us to say, going through all of this stuff, just to say, you know what, I just give up. This is a little bit rough. This is a little bit hard. I just give up, not David. He had a resiliency about him, an inner strength to bounce back. And so tonight, my desire is that through this message, that we would gain an inner strength and that we would gain a fight to bounce back from whatever it is that life has thrown at you. Come on, I know a lot of us, we've had a lot of different things thrown at us in this past year. But it's time to bounce back, baby. Amen. <laughs> Turn to the girl next to you and say, it's time to bounce back, baby. <laughs> you got to say the baby part. It just, it just sounds cool, right? <laughs> so for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about this thing called PERMA. And it started with this doctor that studied people who had gone through tremendous setbacks in life, maybe divorce, bankruptcy, abuse, people that have found themselves stuck. And so as he's doing these studies, it took him uh, to the circus and he began to watch these elephants and how they train these elephants. And what they do at, when these elephants are just babies, these trainers will take these huge chains and chain it to the foot of one of the elephants. And so these elephants, they learn, this is as far as I can go. This is the boundary that I can't go any further than this. And they learn their boundaries as a small elephant. So that way, by the time that these elephants weigh a ton and they're massive and they should be able to just kind of go wherever they want to go because they are so strong, all it takes is a small rope. Just a little tug, just a little reminder, uh-uh-uh, this is your boundary. 
You can't go any further than that. And what they have is they have learned helplessness. And so this doctor actually coined this term, learned helplessness. And he understood that some of the people that he was counseling kind of had this lid that he, they were hitting almost as if, that elef- as if that elephant in the same way that they had learned helplessness. And so he began to do some more studies and he thought, you know, if you can learn helplessness, I wonder if you can learn optimism, hope, and resilience. So he began to do some more studies and this time, I mean, if you're a rat lover in here, it's fixing to get dark, okay? Just gonna tell ya, okay? And I mean, like if you loved Ratatouille, who loved Ratatouille, that little cute little Disney movie? It's so funny, like the first time that I ever saw Ratatouille, I was so grossed out by the fact that there was a rat in the kitchen. Like he was touching and tasting food. He was like the chef. Anybody with me? Like I just couldn't get beyond that. I was like, I know this is supposed to be cute, but I'm like gross. Like I'm having gag reflexes. All this is gross. I mean, of course, now I'm a Jeej, and so I've watched it like 50 times, and so I'm like, it's so cute, you know? It's like, it's okay to have rats in the kitchen. (laughs) They're just adorable little chefs. Anyway, not really, they're not. Um, So anyway, this doctor did this uh, test on these rats. He puts this first batch of rats in this water, and they swim for 10 minutes, and then they drowned. Okay, that's the really dark part. Then he gets a new batch of rats and he puts them in the water. They swim for nine and a half minutes and he sees the panicky look on their faces and it looks like these rats too will drown in 10 minutes. So what he does is he takes these rats out of the water at about nine and a half minutes. He dries them off, he feeds them, they get their strength back, they rest for about an hour, then he puts them back in the water. This time they swim for 18 minutes. He takes them out of the water. They look a little panicky. He takes them out. He dries them off. He lets them rest. He feeds them, puts them back in the water. This time, those rats swim for 30 minutes straight. Almost like they're learning, hey, there's a hand that keeps coming down and getting me out of this thing. (laughs) Then they, he puts them back in the water and these rats swim for 37 hours straight. And from that, this doctor realized, you know, if you can learn helplessness, you can learn optimism and hope. Because what was the difference between the rats that swam for 10 minutes and drowned and the rats that swam for 37 hours? Come on, was the 37 hour rats, were they like superhero rats? (laughs) No, 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 they knew. There was something about the 37 hour rat that knew, hey, If I just keep swimming, there's a hand that's eventually gonna come rescue me. I got a little bit of hope. I'm not gonna drown in this water. There's something that's gonna come and rescue me out of this moment. And so from that, the military took this study that this doctor did and they created this program for soldiers that had gone through very traumatic events to help them build resilience and hope and optimism in some of the darkest hours of these men's life. And this program, they called it PERMA, and it stands for five things and it's an acronym. And so I'm gonna give you these because as I was going through these, I thought, man, this will per reach. (laughs) This is good. 
this is good stuff. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what, what, what life has thrown at you and you've had to fight your way through. But I can tell you there's some key things that if we can keep stirred up in our heart, come on, we are gonna come out on the other side in Jesus' name, amen? So the first one is this, P, it stands for P. This study that I'm giving you, they spent like $157 million to come up with this, okay? And really, as I read it, I was like, this is all biblical. If they just read the Bible, they could have saved some money. But anyway, <clears throat> Paul wrote this in, in Philippians 4, 8 in the message. He says, Summing it all up, friends, I'd say that you'd do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to per curse. I love that. Paul is saying, listen, there's a lot of negative things that you could set your mind on. But let me just tell you this. You better get your mind dialed in on the things that are good, the things that are a blessing, the things that are of a good report. You better get your thought life over there. Because listen, how many of you know you can't sit on social media 24 hours a day and have your news channel blaring in the background and keep yourself in a healthy place? <laughs> it's just not gonna happen, okay, y'all? <laughs> Listen, you can't do that and keep your mind on the beautiful, the blessed, and the breakthrough and the praiseworthy stuff. David, in the midst of all of the bad, all hell breaking out against him. I mean, he could have focused on the negative, right? He could have said, my dad didn't value me either. My wife criticizes me all the time. I mean, he could have focused, he could have went there. How many of us would have went there? When things don't go like we think that they should, sometimes we can be our own worst critic and we can get really down, right? And be, be our own worst enemy. David could have done that, but what did he do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. What does it sound like when we encourage ourselves in the Lord? I believe for David, I believe whenever he encouraged himself in the Lord, I bet it sounded a little bit like this. Father, I thank you that you helped me kill the lion. And then you helped me defeat that bear. And then you, you enabled me to slay Goliath. Father, I thank you that you've caused me to go from victory to victory to victory. That's where he set his mind and his focus on. Did he have bad stuff happen? Yeah, he did. Did he have bad stuff that he could have set his eyes on? Yeah, he did. But what did he do? He's like, no, 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 I'm gonna focus over here. <laughs> New response, all these men are having emotional fall apart over here. New response, I'm gonna encourage myself in the Lord. Come on, it set his feet on a firm foundation. Come on, this is basic elementary things that we have to be reminded to do. And all I wanna do tonight is be your cheerleader and remind you, hey, 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 dial it in, darling. <laughs> Get your mind on the good things that God has done for you. We serve a good God. His word says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know what? Faith doesn't start out as mountain moving kind of faith. We all want that, right? You know what, the basic, the baby way that faith starts out, it's things hoped for. I'm hoping that my 
family's going to come to Christ. I'm hoping that my kids are going to come back home. I'm hoping that my marriage will be restored. I'm hoping that I'm going to get this better job. Amen. I'm hoping that that door is going to open for me. That's the basis of our faith. Faith that starts out as our hope. No wonder the devil's trying to steal our hope. If he can just steal your hope, you're never going to get that mountain moving kind of faith. Got to hang on to your hope. What has the enemy been stealing from you? What hope has he taken out of your heart? Like, oh, I've been waiting for so long for this thing to take place in my life. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And the enemy's been stealing your hope all the while so that you won't have the faith that you need to see that thing manifest in your life. Get your faith back. If he saved you before, he can save you again. If he provided for you before, he's going to provide for you again. Come on, our Christian DNA, we should be known for positive emotions. Not crabby, cranky, moody. We're supposed to be known by what? Love, joy, peace, gentleness. What else? <laughs> yeah, I'm just testing y'all. I didn't know if y'all knew it. So I'm glad. Good job. Good job, y'all. We're supposed to be known by positive emotions. Touch the girl next to you and say, honey, get your joy back. Touch the other girl and say, I haven't heard you laugh in a while. Get your laughter back. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Wake up, sunshine. Joy comes in the morning. Don't you wake up cranky? Leave him in bed. <laughs> that was really funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that wasn't talking about you, baby. Okay, E stands for, okay, we're on PERMA. P is positive emotions, y'all. You didn't get that? P's for positive emotions. <laughs> Gotta keep our positive emotions. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Oh, he's stealing so much of that. Especially in this season of 2020 where we're hating on each other, fighting each other. Ooh, people not joyful. Get your joy back. I just had to. Okay, E stands for engagement. Engagement. Listen, we have to engage. We have to get back into the game, get back off the bench of life. Sometimes pain in our relationships that puts us on the sidelines, gets us out of the game. But at some point we have to stop licking our wounds and soaking in our sorrows, right? And get back into the flow, get back into our serve, get back into relationship engagement in the house of God. I went there as a pastor's wife, but yeah, we gotta get back into relationship engagement in the house of God. So many people walk in wounded and thank God that there, there's healing in his presence. Thank God that there's restoration in his presence. But so often they come in and they sit and that's okay for a while. But at some point, at some point, we gotta get back into the game. We gotta get back into our serve. 
Listen, don't manage your life in a way that keeps you living in a box. Come on, I can't, oh, I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't, oh, can't do that. Oh, can't do that. That's risky. I might get hurt. Oh, I can't do that. And so we built this box and we've lost our engagement. We've been disengaged, disengaged in relationship connection. And we have these inner vows that are going on in our hearts that's putting boundaries on our hearts. And listen, when, when you put boundaries on your heart, you're putting boundaries on your healing. And sometimes we think those boundaries that we have erected around our heart, they're there to protect us. I'm telling you from experience, they're not, they're blocking your healing. The best way to get healed is get back into relationship engagement. Your best friend may have hurt you and you're like, I don't ever want another best friend. I'm telling you the best way to get healed is get back into relationship engagement. I've been there, I understand it, but I refuse. I had this place in my life, there was a couple years that I just been wounded, been betrayed. Come on, we've all been there. It's everybody's story, we've all had that. And I just, I was like, nope. And I had these walls up, I had these boundaries on my heart. And I hated who I'd become. I don't know about you, I like to live, I love to enjoy my life. I love to enjoy what God has called me to do. You know, when we do that, we're putting a blocking on the thing that God has actually called us to do. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to engage in relationship again. What hurts my heart so much is women don't trust women. A lot of women don't even like women. A lot of women, we can't even get them to come to a women's function because they've been hurt and they've been wind, wounded from other women. And so they're always looking at, oh, you're probably gonna hurt me too. And so we come in with all these walls and, and it's just so hard and it's such a vicious cycle. And I hate when I see people in that, it just breaks my heart because I know it's gonna be a vicious cycle that they stay in and they'll never break free from it until they decide I'm gonna to begin to engage again. You know, I'm, I'm back, I'm engaged again. I love, my, I love the relationships that God's put around me. I love them. I love y'all. I love the fact that you are in my life and you are in my world. And I promise you, I am loving you with walls down. I do not have walls on my heart anymore. And let me encourage you, do the same. It's so freeing. You wanna walk in your purpose, let down the wall. Open your heart again. I understand you've been hurt. I understand you've been wounded. I get it, I under, but let it down. Let it down, engage again. We've gotta stop canceling people. Stop it. I wanna see us whole. Think about if we had a, if we had a room full of women that had walls down, Ooh, I love that environment. Sign me up. Sign me up. Let's hang out there for a long time. It's beautiful. Touch the girl next to you and say, honey, it's time to engage again. <laughs> it's time to engage again. Not only do we need to engage our relationships again, that relationship connection, gotta have it in our life. But we also have to engage the presence of God. We gotta be lovers of his presence like we've never been lovers of his presence before. Like I'm just not content without being in the presence of our Father God, begin to fall in love. Like I'm just not okay to come into church and not experience his presence. It breaks my heart when we're in these moments of worship and I'm 
pouring out my praise and my worship and then I can see others and I'm not looking at others, just so you know, but if I was and I could see others, but sometimes we can look around and we can see others and we're like, oh, you know, they're just, they're, we're not engaging in his presence. Let's not miss moments. I encourage you when you're in the house of God, don't miss a moment to engage his presence. When we're in our moments of worship, get in his presence, engage in that moment because his presence is here. His presence is at your house. It's in your prayer closet. When I engage his presence, I engage my hope. So we want resilience. Stir up those positive emotions. Engage again. R stands for relationships, and I'm not gonna go as long on these next few, but R stands for relationships. There was an interview with this brain doctor, and I'm not gonna read you everything because it's kind of lengthy, but I'm gonna highlight this one thing because I feel like it's the one thing that 2020 did to a lot of people. And he said this, and this is written years ago. He said, isolation is the worst thing we could do for survival. Touch somebody and say, you don't know it yet, but you need me. I like for y'all to talk to each other. <laughs> you need me. Turn to the other person and say, you may have put some boundaries up, but baby, you need me. You may have put those boundaries up, baby, you need me. Listen, isn't the devil dividing us? Isn't he just ripping relationships apart? Haven't you seen that lately? How many of you know that we really are living in the age of offense? And being easily offended, it's no longer this character weakness in us to be easily offended. It's actually a constitutional right that you're offended. And you're weak if you're not offended. Like, why aren't you offended about that? You should be offended about that, right? I mean, that's what we've been hearing lately, right? We're weak if we're not offended. There's something wrong with this if we're not offended. You should be offended about all that stuff. Is that too straightforward? Matthew 24 gives a list of the signs of the last days. Signs of the, that we're living in the last days and one of them is, and many will be offended. Many will be offended. Men offended, women offended, Democrats offended, Republicans offended, everybody's offended. And it's driving people into isolation. They're happy to be isolated. I'm just gonna be isolated. I was talking to this uh, friend of mine this last week and she has a sister that lives in Las Vegas and she was telling me that those, the kids there have not been in school since March, March 20th. They haven't been back yet, still not back yet. And she said, but what's happening is the parents are rising up because there's this thing happening in their youth that is, it's uh, blowing up over there. I'm trying to find the right terminology, but she said the suicide rate has skyrocketed. And these kids are killing themselves because they're in isolation and it's not healthy to be isolated. It's counterproductive to be isolated. It's, I don't care what people tell you, relationships are essential. 
I said, I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you believe, what you don't believe. I need you in my life. So not only do we need positive emotions, but we also need relationships. And M stands for meaning or mission. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you future and a hope. We need to have a vision for our future. And I feel like that through the season that maybe we've walked through, it's kept us focused on the here and now, and we've lost our gaze for our future. But I love something in our story with David. David, when he encouraged himself in the Lord, what was he doing? He encouraged himself in the Lord. He was putting his gaze upon Jesus. And when he put his gaze upon Jesus, he got the plan, a prophetic plan, go back and get everything the enemy stole from you. Go take it. And I think so many times we don't have our meaning or our mission because we haven't spent time gazing upon Jesus. But when we get our focus on Jesus, come on somebody, <laughs> get our focus on him. He hasn't changed his mind about you. Your best days are ahead of you. Better things, greater things are yet to come. Man, stir up that hope tonight. Let hope arise in you tonight. A stands for this, my final thought is this, accomplishments. I believe many of us, we've had some wins, but because of the unsurmountable amount of negative things that have been all around us, we haven't even recognized the wins. The things that God is doing in our midst has been hidden among all this baggage of negative stuff and we've lost our spirit of victory. You know, I love something that we do in our staff meetings now. It's not something we've always done. In fact, what we used to do when we would come into our staff meetings is we would talk about all of the things that was going wrong in your department. And then we would try to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to fix this thing? But then my daughter comes in about two years ago, Brittany, and she says, uh, hey, we need to start off with some wins. We need to talk about what is, what is a win in your department? What is something that has been something good that has been happening in your department? Let's start off there. And it totally changed the culture of our staff meetings because that's what we start off with. We talk about what has God done in that? And it puts us in a spirit of victory. It's amazing when you're in a spirit of victory, guess what? You don't have time for all the negative garbage. It doesn't mean that we don't get to things that we have to fix, but you know what? Whenever we get to the things that we have to fix, we're facing it. We're looking at those things through a lens of victory. And I think that's so uh, often we try to work out situations and circumstances, but we have a very unhealthy lens that we're looking through. We're looking at all of the negative things that are happening around us and that's, and then we're trying to come up with, how are we gonna fix all this? And our eyes are so on this negative stuff, but we gotta get our eyes on Jesus. We gotta get our eyes on the victories that he's brought us through. We gotta get our spirit of victory back on the inside of us. Some of you, you've lost your spirit of victory. And I hope tonight that you're getting a fight for your victory back. 
so that anything that you face, you've got this, this air about you, kind of like David. It may have knocked me down for a second, but no, 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 I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to begin to encourage myself in the Lord. My better days, better days are coming in Jesus' name. This may have happened in 2020. This may have happened in this season. I may have lost a lot of stuff, but greater things are yet to come. If you'll stand with me tonight. You know what the word says that we are? The word says that we are more than conquerors. I love that. You are more than a conqueror. Turn to the girl next to you and say, honey, you're more than a conqueror. You may not have came in feeling like it, but you're more than a conqueror. You got conquer written all over you. <laughs> but you're not just a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. You know what a conqueror is? What I believe a conqueror is? A conqueror is somebody that maybe had lived in a home that maybe there was drugs, maybe there was alcohol, maybe there was abuse. Maybe there was a bunch of negative things that really could have affected who you've become. Maybe your ACE score is at a nine, you know, I don't know. But I believe a conqueror is one that refuses to be defined by that. And they come out and maybe you go back to school, maybe you get a better job, maybe God blessed you with a family. That's, That's a conqueror when you come out. When you come out of something that took half your other family members down. Your mom is still in the same place or your sister or your cousins. They never were able to break out of it, but you somehow, some way were able to break out of it. That's a conqueror. You're a conqueror. But you know what more than a conqueror is? You didn't just come out but you go back to the hell hole that you came out of. And you say, I'm not leaving you there. If he did it for me, he's gonna do it for you. And you begin to be. And you begin to be a hope dealer. (laughs) Not a dope dealer, a hope dealer. Come on, but you can't be a hope dealer If you don't have any resilience about you, (laughs) if you're all stuck, if you're all down, somebody needs you. Somebody needs you to come out with your fight and your spirit and and a spirit of victory all over you so that you can go back from the things that, how, how many of you God has brought you out of some stuff? He didn't leave you there. He brought you out of some stuff. You could have stayed sick. You could have stayed damaged goods. You could have stayed hurt and wounded, but you chose to come up out of that. You chose to allow God to heal your heart. And you chose to refuse to be defined by the past and the things that the enemy tried to take you out. I believe the enemy's tried to take some of you out. He's put so much negative stuff, boom, one right after the other, one right after the other. And it's just been taking your breath away because it's one thing after another and he's been trying to take you out. Oh, but he didn't take you out, did he? You're still standing. Come on. You got your boxing gloves on and you're, "Uh uh-uh, devil. No, 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 no. You are not gonna win in Jesus' name. 
because I refuse to stay down. <laughs> you may have knocked me down, but I'm not staying down. I'm getting back up again. I'm getting my fight back. I'm getting my joy back. I'm taking back everything that the enemy tried to steal from me. I'm coming out with my song and my shout and my joy intact. And it's not just for me, but it's for all the girls that are behind me. They're all the girls, my family that's still stuck in that. I'm going back and bringing them out too. Come on, how many of you are with me? How many are going back and helping other people get into a place of victory? Don't you stay stuck. Don't you stay limited. <laughs> Rise up, daughter. Rise up, daughter. In Jesus' name. I love this scripture in Zechariah 9:11. It says, "Because of the blood covenant with you, I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless cells." Come on, we're hope dealers. <laughs> I'm going to release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. Come home, hope-filled prisoners. This very day, I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost, return twice over. Woo! Come on, listen, daughter, you're more than a conqueror. And let me declare this prophetically over you, double for your trouble double blessing on you for everything that you've walked through. Double's coming back to you in Jesus' name. Double, 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 double. Oh, I just feel, I just sense this in my spirit that there's somebody, you've really walked through a health issue. I mean, it has been a health battle. And it feels like all hell's come against your physical, your physical body. And you really haven't had a knowledge of how to get out of that. But God is bringing you out of that supernaturally in Jesus' name. And it's, that, it's just the thing that the enemy has just tried to put a chain on you. That's like you can only just go so far. And this, this sickness, I just keep seeing it, just keeps reoccurring, reoccurring, reoccurring. But in Jesus' name, we declare that thing is broken off your life. In Jesus' name, you're coming up out of that. And you might be surprised if you don't have a healing ministry that God is going to, God is gonna bring up out of that whole situation. What, hi, ha, devil, you mess with the wrong person. You mess with the wrong chick. Shouldn't have messed with her. There's gonna be a healing ministry birthed out of that. I just heard that, a healing ministry. If that's for you, grab a hold of it. That's for somebody in this room tonight. The healing ministry is gonna birth out of that pain that you went through. It wasn't all for nothing. Woo, thank you, Jesus. You're coming out. Your best days are ahead of you. Psalms 139.5 says, you've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past with your hand of love upon my life you impart blessings unto me God we thank you for your blessings he spared you from the pain of your past thank you father in this moment everybody just close their eyes set your gaze upon Jesus in this moment Engage him. Get your mind off of what's happening around you, what time it is, what, what's happening in the room. No, 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 get your, get your, dial it in, honey, dial it in. Get your attention upon Jesus in this moment because this is so important. We're not gonna let this moment pass us by. Engage your hope. Engage your healer.
Engage your strength. Engage your resilience tonight. Engage your fight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your presence, Jesus. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. In your presence, there's healing. It just flows, it flows, it flows. Your healing presence flows. If we just get close to you, if we just draw close to you, Jesus, because you're our healer, you're our provider. Some of you have had lack and it's almost tried to be a label. I just see, I almost see like a big shirt that says lack and you've been wearing it. Better take that thing off, that's tacky. Mm-mm. No, 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 that's not who you, no, you're not lack. Never enough, never enough, never enough, never enough. No, more than enough. The word says to declare those things that be not as though they are. Instead of declaring lack all the time, why don't you start declaring, God, I thank you that you are my provider and I walk in abundance and there is more than enough. There is more than enough. There is more than enough. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Psalms 139, 12 in the Passion says this, see if there is any path of pain that I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. Come on, there's a spirit of restoration in the house. Restoration. Be restored, daughter. Be restored. Be restored. Be restored. Be thou made whole, daughter. Be restored. Restoration. I feel like somebody's just drinking that in. Just be restored in Jesus' name. Be restored. I just, all I can say is be restored. Be restored. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We hope that this message inspires, challenges, and fuels you up to take a real Jesus to a real world. If you'd like to connect with us in any way, please go to harvestenid.com connect. Or if you'd like to learn more about us as a church, please go and check us out at harvestenid.com. We can't wait to share another message with you next week.